Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Welcome back to Action Movie Anatomy. We are covering an American classic film today. Quigley Down Under. This one is for you, Jason Haywood. Welcome to the Action Army as a general. We cannot wait. We're going to see you guys in just a second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Action Movie Anatomy. Boom! Ha 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 Just riding along on my horse. Just riding along. Dre. An experimental weapon with experimental ammunition. It sounds like an experiment. <laughs> oh, God. We're so back. good. Here we're we here. are. It's Action Movie Anatomy. It's Wednesday. We are covering a film from exactly 28 years ago today. And, uh, you know, this was a pretty freaking sweet movie. I got to be honest. Yeah, I you'd, was, you'd never seen I, it. I'd never seen Quigley Down Under. And yeah. if you had told me, if you had been like, hey, have you seen Quigley Down Under? I'd be like, what the fuck you call me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd, I'd never even heard of this movie until recently. The Quigley Down Under is one of those movies that I accidentally watched. Yeah. Um, so Steve Jobs, not Steve Jobs. <laughs> Steve Jobs showed it to me about six years. <laughs> Steve Jobs and I. Uh, Jobs, written by Sorkin. Yes. Um. That was a movie that I, it was kind of just like this for me, where yeah. it was, I sat down, it was on TV, and I was like, ah, maybe I'll watch 10, 20 minutes of Quigley, ah, maybe I'll watch 10, 20 minutes of Fastbender doing his thing, and I sat there for two hours, just, did, just didn't do anything else, didn't, wasn't on my phone, and I just watched it from beginning to end. Now, with Jobs, you it makes much more sense. To clarify for anybody who's confused, <laughs> we don't mean Jobs, the movie Jobs starring yeah. Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, Steve, Steve Jobs. Jobs. I just don't like to keep saying his full name. Yeah, right. So Steve Jobs, the one by Sorkin, um, that movie and this movie are very similar for me. It was just something I didn't think I was going to like that much. I didn't, and, I, and I, I was just, I loved it. Mesmerized by it. Couldn't S- take my eyes off. Slightly different genres. <laughs> A little bit. I think that Selleck could have played Steve Jobs. He does play. <laughs> he is Steve Jobs. He was Steve Jobs' mustache coach. Oh, guys, we're back. It's Wednesday. A little tired today. Yeah, me too, man. It's been it's been a hell of a week. It's been a hell of a week. Yeah. How's your uh, How's your anchor stuff been going? Oh, Nerds and Suits is in? killing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're having it's. I've got five movies to review this week. I'm only going to review four. I'm not going to get to see The Strangers. Uh, pray at night. I have a yeah. screening tonight that I can't make, so unfortunately that one won't get a review. But I'm going to be giving you guys reviews of uh, Thoroughbreds, Gringo, Hurricane Heist, and Wrinkle in Time this week. Hurricane. So uh, go download Anchor.fm, uh, and if you don't want to download Anchor.fm, I totally get it. You can hear it all over the place. You can hear it on, on Spotify. Spotify. You can get it on the iTunes store. You can get it Alexa, Google Home. You'll be like, hey Alexa, play Nerds and Suits. You'll hear my latest, my latest thing. It just comes right up. Alexa's been creepily laughing for no reason, yeah. and just like listing off names of funeral homes recently. Yeah, I heard about that. It's terrifying. Yeah. Why are we here today? What are we doing? We're talking about Quigley Down Under. What show is this? Yeah, this is Action Movie and Anime. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, so, so yeah, guys, we're here. We're talking about this movie. We cover action movies on the show here on the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network dedicated to talking movies, all things movie-related, and pop culture by the bucketful. Quigley Down Under. Yeah. It's, uh, this was a request by a general in the Action Army, which brings me to my next point, which is that we have a Patreon. Uh, and, and the Patreon is not for you guys to just throw money at Action Movie Anatomy, because that's not what it is at all. We we will do the show if the Patreon exists or doesn't. We, we have it for three years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we will continue to. The Patreon supports uh, the, the the Team Action Secret Headquarters, which is uh, basically private videos that Andrew and I are putting together on subjects that are both related to movies we cover and unrelated, as long as they're in the movie world. We tape something every week, and we put it up uh, on the Patreon. And for a minimum of a dollar a month, you get access to those videos. They're like 20 minutes long each. This last week, we did a mini AMA on Annihilation. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, this Coming week, we're probably going to do a top five list from Dino and maybe Janine. Yeah, two, I saw two longtime some, fans. Some pretty fun ones. Uh, top five Edgar Wright movies is one I think we. Get. Yeah, that's so, a good one. Yeah, so if you at the, at the general level, there's a couple like really premium benefits you get. One of which is you can suggest films for us to cover on AMA, and if they fit the criteria, we will do them. Today, we decided to cover Quigley Down Under. Yes. at the request of Jason Haywood, a general in the Action Army. Yeah, and um, I, I, I think this movie follows the rules pretty closely. Is there an explosion in this movie? There's uh, gotta be. He's, well, the he's building dynamite? burns up. That's close enough. He's in the building and it's burning up. Right, right, That's right, right. I the, remember that. Okay. There's no dynamite. I know, it seems like there would be dynamite. There's gotta be dynamite. There's always dynamite yeah. in the old he West. He definitely, Quigley plays by his own rules, no oh, question. Yeah. That's rule number one in the uh, in, in the action movie, Dynamy Rules. Rule number two, hero and the villain are always the smartest people, beings, things, dinosaurs would have you in the room. Uh, in the end... Rickman isn't, there isn't a smarter guy. Yeah, the only smarter guy than Rickman is Quigley. 
Yeah. Um, so it kind of fits there. Yeah. Rule number three, the movie is driven by a police, military, political, or mercenary figure. He's, He's a mercenary. Merc- he is a mercenary figure. Yeah. Yeah, good thing, good thing we, we added that one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and the final one of the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. The house definitely explodes. It, it contains it, an explosion <laughs> of mustache. Yeah, and you got to think the explosion that goes off every time he fires that gun inside of that chamber. Yeah, is the gun. Massive. His his relationship to the gun is amazing. Is one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. There's not even a hero qualifier about Quigley, but there's a hero qualifier about his gun, which is fan fucking tastic. Yeah, there's a hero qualifier about his gun, and like he's definitely crippled by the fact that he uses this like 30 pound gun this enormous this gun. massive rifle at all times I also one of my favorite parts about this movie is that when he's in gunfights with people at close range he doesn't even hide behind things he just like kind of leans back and like recocks <laughs> his gun it's just like these idiots will never hit me they can't hit anything with those pea shooters yeah. and then he just like levels people <laughs> it's great I love that yeah there's so much of it about it seems like playful and silly but then when he shoots people it's like a real action movie yeah right they like fly through the air yeah. there's a lot of death in this movie is. He kills a lot of people. Yeah, so guys, here, coming up on Action Movie Anatomy today, we're going to be talking about greatest final showdowns between heroes and villains. We're talking about uh, recasting the film. Uh, we've got an overly siege, underly siege, properly siege discussion about Tom Selleck's mustache. And finally, we'll be answering some of your AMA questions. If you want to follow along in the conversation, you can find me personally at Ben Bateman Media, or you can find the podcast at AMA Podcast on Twitter. And you guys can find me at Andrew Guy on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also chat along in the live chat on YouTube. I will be there responding and please check out our fan page the yeah. Acid Anatomy fan page on Facebook we hit 1300 people this morning oh yeah I saw that yeah that's exciting it just yeah. keeps I don't know people keep finding it it's like people listen to the show or something yeah. I love it it's crazy yeah so uh, quickly down under we're gonna get straight into things on the show here um, and we actually are gonna get a call in from Jason he's yeah. gonna call on the Jason's show to talk to about in. yeah pretty soon here so uh, let's let's cue up the trailer before we get to thesis statement uh, Marissa Serafini all the Matthew Quigley did was answer a help wanted ad. But a few surprises were waiting for Quigley down under. There was no mention of his friendly co-workers. Is everybody in this country as butt-ugly as you three? (laughs) Or that he'd get an assistant. I'm an American. (laughs) Nothing about the transportation problem. Are we lost? Nope. I know exactly where we are. We're lost. The unusual local inhabitants... <laughs> oh yeah, it gets the really dark yeah, with what they're doing to the uh, oh, yeah. You gonna shoot it first. Or the extra duties. You can take me if you want to, Roy. Kid, next time she talks like that, go all over the dress. Worst of all, his employer turned out to be somewhat moody. You could call it that. But Quigley's about to teach him a lesson in uh, labor so relations. It. Well, that knocks me out of my own house. Don't worry, just stand there. My name ain't Roy, it's Matthew. Quigley. Matthew Quigley. Matthew Quigley is really beginning to annoy me. <laughs> uh, Tom Selleck, Laura San Giacomo, Alan Rickman. From the director of the Emmy Award-winning Lonesome Dove, Quigley, <laughs> Down Under. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, the Emmy Lonesome Dove. That's great. That's like the tagline from uh, Naked, Naked Gun, 33 and a half on the cover. From the brother of the director. <laughs> <laughs> from the brother of the director of Ghost, I think is what it is. <laughs> Oh, that's great. That was a good trailer. That was such a 90s trailer. It, 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 it's amazing how someone wrote it in the chat. They were like, this came out two years after Die Hard, but it feels like it came out before. It definitely does. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's got just so many of those, like, cor- but it's a family movie, which is funny because it's kind of dark for a family movie. Yeah. But he's, I just, I'm such a fan of Tom Selleck. He's it's, the all-American superhero. I mean, he's the truest cowboy that could have been at this moment. He's like... For this wh- movie, that he, is. He, he makes me want to be 46 years old already. Right? Because like, you're like, it's just going to get better. I just want to be... <laughs> it just makes me want to be like... Just like seasoned and have some gray hair and a mustache. Like, be able to shoot something from 900 yards away. I feel like I don't have anywhere near enough life experience yet to be able to stand toe-to-toe with that guy. No. That guy's the coolest. Oh, for sure. I mean, you can even tell from the very beginning on the boat when yeah. he talks to that dude. He's like, 
excuse me, but I'm going next. Yeah, I'm going to be going next. Yeah, you're like, yeah, you are. Marissa Serafini is up in the booth, longtime producer and engineer of this show. How you doing, Marissa? Good, gentlemen. Hello, hello. Have you seen this film? She Marissa? has not. I have not. You've not seen Quigley? I have not. If you heard the name Quigley Down Under, what do you think you would <laughs> I, imagine it was? I would figure it's a comedy in, somewhere in Australia. Yeah, that's, that's a fair assumption. I would think it would be an, a euphemism for an STD, probably. That's what I would, that's what <laughs> I would guess. Uh, yeah, you got the old Quigley Down yeah, Under. Yeah, exactly. There yeah, you go. Yeah, so let's, let's get into uh, thesis statement i think that's the best that's yeah. the best thing we can do here to uh-huh. get the show going so thesis statement is your it's your biggest boldest argument about this movie it's the thing you believe to be the absolute truest this movie inspires you you would you would stand behind this point if you were at a party and you would say this is the thing about quigley down under and mm-hmm. i'm just gonna go on record here first with the very bold one quigley down under is the worst movie title i've ever heard in my life <laughs> <laughs> the, for a title of a film it's i think arguably the worst title i've ever heard and Gringo is dropping this week, and Gringo might be the other worst. I mean, right. Gringo's an awful movie title. It's a bad, it's a really bad movie title. Uh, when you actually said the movie was was good, uh, yeah, I can't share any details. Yeah, okay, right, he, he didn't say drop. that. He actually did not say that. But uh, but <clears throat> yes, it was good. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> um, yes, Quickly Down Under is the worst. I like. I'm telling you, if you were to say Quickly Down Under, I think you know Marissa's right. I would think Down Under. So probably something to do with Australia. Right. What the fuck is a Quigley? Well, and also uh, there's the rescuers, and then the rescuers down under. Right. So right. You, you just assume uh, Richard Jarvie here hopped on your thesis, kind of, with his own <laughs> saying. This movie feels like a sequel to another Quigley adventure. It feels like Quigley had established himself in a previous film already. That's true because then Quigley Down Under would make sense because you've already seen the adventures of Quigley and. Not not to be confused with <laughs> the standalone biopic Quigley written by Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, not to be confused. Also, I could not take my eyes off that movie. Uh, yeah, it's a horrible name. It's a horrible it's name a for a movie. Bad name. It feels like it should be a sequel at best. The movie's better than the trailer, and the trailer's better than the name. The movie's better than the trailer, and the trailer's better than yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, agreed. Um, <laughs> my thesis is that Tom Selleck is an anomaly, and in that, the biggest thing for me is that Tom Selleck's name is a much larger and will always be a much larger brand than Tom Selleck, the actor, ever was. It's so funny you would say that. So I said this off camera. I totally agree. Yeah. And the reason I agree with you is that I watch movie and TV, <clears throat> movies and TV my whole life, mostly movies. Yeah. And if you had said to me five years ago, before I ever watched Friends, like I watched episodes of Growing Up, but if you had said five years ago... Tom Selleck, and you'd shown me like four white American actors who had been working for a long time. You know, it, even if some of them were like classics, like like you know Richard Burton or just right, like right. Cary Grant, whatever. Like you'd throw in just like a mixture of guys and be like, which one of these guys is Tom Selleck? <laughs> I'd have a fifty fifty shot. Like ah, I never watched Magnum PI. See, the guy with the mustache. They all have mustaches. I didn't watch his stuff growing up. I just wouldn't have really known what Tom Selleck looked like. Yeah, I think, and I think I knew what Tom Selleck looked like because of Friends. And yeah. then my mom was like, oh, you know, I'd be watching Friends. She'd be yeah. like, oh, I love Tom Selleck. Well, that's not what she sounds like. Uh, but she was like, oh, he's so handsome. I love him. And I'd be like, who is he? She's like, and she would talk about him like, like now we're like, oh, yeah, Tom Selleck, classic American superstar, you know, movie star. And it's like he, his uh, – Selleck is one of those guys that he was like a punchline, not because he was a punchline like he was bad, but he was a punchline because like – he was such an American guy. It's because he, he was, was like, so likable. Yeah, you know, like, and, and his delivery was like somewhat mechanic, but or mechanical, but yeah. it was like still enjoyable to hear. And he was just honestly, he was he's too good looking. When uh, yeah, yeah, and like in, in Hot Rod, when he's when uh, Andy Samberg <laughs> is fighting with with Ian McShane, yeah, and he's like, "All great men have mustaches, Frank." It's like that's I'm sure because Samberg probably grew up watching Magnum PI, and for was, sure. You know what I mean? Like that's totally he's like that all American guy you love. Yeah. So I agree. His name is so much more famous. At this point, then he actually is. I mean, let's strike from the record the NRA stuff, which is he's like a staunch supporter. Yeah, which we'll talk about in a little bit about how he donated the guns from this movie to support the NRA. And it's blah, not blah, blah, not blah, great, blah. not yeah. great, not uh, not fun to talk about that part of nope. it. But just him as a movie star or TV star, it's like he just never quite achieved what he should have. His name is A list. His actual star is C plus B minus. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't work both too young to have grown up watching Magnum PI. Yeah. So like it that was one of the biggest shows of the eighties and it was on, on the air for like eight years. But we are old enough to where when we were growing up, his career should have been exploding until we were like fifteen. Yeah, totally, totally. So I think that's I think that's really interesting. Cause his moment this is his moment. 
This is 1990. This is his big moment. You know, like, the, like uh, what's it called? P.I., I think, ended in, like, 88. 88 ended, and then he did Three Men and a Baby. I think that's, like, 87. Mm-hmm. This is 90. So, like, he, this is really <clears throat> his run where they're like, all right, you're kind of done with TV. You're in your mid-40s. You're kind of at that peak movie star age now. We can just start just making you a star. And he ended up making, you know, nine Jesse Stone movies instead. And Blue Bloods. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> To fist pump moment. Now, at some point during fist pump moment, I believe Jason's going to try to... Oh, there he is. Oh, my good Lord. There he is. He is a punctual man. That's great. We got Jason Haywood. Jason Haywood, is that you? Yes. What's up, man? Welcome to the show. Welcome to Action Movie Anatomy. Hey, guys. How's it going, man? How's your day going? How's Wednesday? Uh, Pretty good. Uh, Just watched this again yesterday, so got ready for the show. So, uh, going back and watching it yesterday, and since this is the movie that you picked of all the movies in the entire world you could pick, you picked this movie. Going back and watching it yesterday, what was your fist pump moment, man? So, uh, I was going to go with the one you had, but I figured since you already had that one, I'd let you have it. (laughs) And I'd go with what I call my lowercase fist pump, which is, um, it's the scene, uh, I... It's the, uh, you forgot the, the gold scene. Oh, sure, yeah, the knife. When they, when they tie them up and drop them off in the desert. Uh, I just, I feel like that scene, it's kind of the beginning of the second act, and it's the moment when who Quigley, like, I heard you guys at the beginning of the show talking about this, the title of this film, film feels like you should already know this guy. Yeah, right. It's a confusing title, feels like there should have been two or three movies that came before this, uh, and this is kind of the moment where you find out who Quigley is, because up until this point, it's kind of been funny, campy, goofy stuff. And this is the moment where he kills two people. The score really builds up, which I think is an incredibly underrated score. It's great. Yeah. And then uh, the the super long distance shot that he takes on that guy, the intensity of that, that scene just continues to build until he finally makes the shot. And I, I've always loved that that sequence I, I love that moment too because uh something something that happens is literally as soon as the guy takes off you're just like you're just waiting you're like all yeah. right how long is it going to take him to get the gun set up and how long is it going to take him to get this guy and you know he's going to get the guy and he has to yeah it's great and it, that's great foreshadow. yeah one of the great things about this movie uh going toward other other parts of it is it's really good i mean there's a lot of cliches in the film it's obviously a western but it's great at setup and delivery of different things. So you set up how far he can shoot literally five minutes earlier with the bucket. Mm -hmm. So by the time this happens, you know he's going to shoot the guy. It's just a matter of how far away does this guy get before he gets killed. Totally, and I think that's that's a great point that you make because I think it sets up the ultimate setup and delivery, which is my fist pump moment, which is – this ain't Dodge City and you ain't Bill Hickok, and then he kills all three of them in a split yeah. second. Yeah, it's great. Now, when you originally had pitched this movie for us to cover on the show, you had said that's one of your favorite moments in, in all movie history. It's definitely your favorite moment in this movie. And you also talked about how it's like one of the greatest movie showdowns of all time between hero and villain. So what about it is it that you love so much about that scene? If there's, if there's anything you could talk about with it, what stands out to you? Honestly, there's a couple of things. One is it's one of the few times I can remember. I grew up on Westerns. My father's name is Ringo. He was named after Johnny Ringo. So I grew up with Westerns in my house. And out of all the Westerns I've ever seen in my life, this is the only time that I can think of where two guys have a showdown, and one of the men is supposed to have a clear weakness in the showdown, and it turns out to be a strength. (laughs) And... The other part of it that's so great is I can't think of any other movie I've ever seen where someone drops such a throwaway line 10 minutes into the movie that ends up being his hero line at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's a great, great setup and delivery. That's fantastic because you, you're wondering as you're watching, you're like, he's got to be able to win. He has to be able to win in this moment. He's yeah. so beaten up. You're like, I guess he's got to be good with the gun or like – you know, somebody's going to spear this dude or something like, and it happens and you're just like, well, of course, of course, he's a hero. Cause of course that's he the most it. badass thing that could happen in the movie. He's an expert, you know? 
Yeah, of <laughs> and course. the way he the way he delivers that line when he stands over him and says, "I said I never had much use for one. Never said I couldn't use one." Yeah, it's. I, I studied screenwriting in film school, and that is such a genius way to turn such a simple line that could have disappeared into the film and never been seen again. Yeah, because they 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 touch on it a few times throughout the movie. You know, he says it over and over. He's never had much use for one, never had much mm -hmm. use for one, but he uses a very specific verbiage every single time. Yeah, right. So you as the viewer, you're like, why the hell does he keep saying it like that? Yeah, 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 for sure. I think my fist pump moment's a sillier one. It's one of two. Um, I think it's when you first see him setting up the gun. And as I said, he mm. doesn't have a hero qualifier really in this movie, but his gun does. Like they, yeah. he, he describes the bullet and the casing, and he's like, "It's this." It's I can't even say it. He's like, "It's this. It's this casing. It's this velocity." You know, and then and he's like, "Sure, I can hit and fucking as far away as I want." And mm -hmm. you're just like, "All right, if this guy says this, <laughs> and if his gun is as good as he says it is, how could he ever lose?" <laughs> exactly. I, I honestly feel like he has a greater love relationship with that gun than he does with Cora. I totally agree. Film. Yeah, hundred oh, percent. Like, yeah, it's, it's terrific. I mean, if you wanna if you wanna get technical, he kisses that gun more times than he than he kisses Cora because every time he fires around, he blows the smoke out of the end. That was my first fist pump. Actually, it was the very first time when he shoots the bucket like six times, and he makes out with the gun and blows the smoke out of it. That yeah. is amazing. <laughs> it's it's he has he has a very cruise esque relationship to her in this movie. It's it like almost entirely asexual. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Jason, I know that you also wanted to talk recast do you is there do you want to give us a recast that you have or is it just something you want us to cover on the show because we, we well i mean i just had a quick short one i don't know uh how much you guys did it we just did the three just, just the three main characters we did not recast ben mendelson by the way who i only noticed did you realize that was ben mendelson yeah yeah well i heard someone say it but i didn't really recognize him yeah you know it I mean? took me until halfway the movie to recognize him yeah we just did quigley cora and, and elliot maston if you want to if you want to okay. throw out your recast on those guys so Basically, what I did was I, I went back about 10 years because I feel like that would have been the perfect time frame for the, these three people. Yeah. Uh, I would have loved to have seen um, Russell Crowe yeah. in the Quigley role. Prime, Just think, Prime Crow. Like right after the when he did uh, Quick and the Dead. Sure. He's kind of got the same hair. He, he had kind of established himself as a Western guy, and then he was going to do 310 to Yuma. Um, I would <laughs> probably have... Uh, a ten years younger Marissa Tomei. Yeah, she'd mm. be crazy Cora. That's a good role. Yeah, that's good. And then um the one that I would really I would have really enjoyed seeing is I would have loved to see Ray Fiennes oh, uh, do the Marston role. That is brilliant. That's my friend. really yeah, Ray Fiennes is a really good pull He's on that so one. Good. Just pull him straight from In Bruges, make him a little younger, give him a different accent. Yeah. That's, it. that's terrific. Jason, this has been yeah, awesome. Oh, sorry. I just the way he the way he plays M in the new Bond movies, he's got mm. that kind of that kind of pissy level to his attitude that Definitely. I think would have been perfect for that role. Yeah, it's like kind of dismissive and yeah, because Rickman's not really like a true straight up prick in this. He just thinks he's better than everyone. Yeah, right. Which is yeah. which is what's great about it. Um, what gets him killed? Yeah, right. So, uh, Jason, one last thing before we let you go, man, and this has been so much fun, but you had mentioned to me that you're going to start your own bad movie podcast, so why don't you give us a little plug or rundown on that? I mean, I feel like these fans of this show would probably be a fan of that yeah. show. Um, so, basically, uh, I've watched a ton of different bad movie podcasts, and I enjoy all of them, but the problem I've had with every single one is that they're always using movies that you cannot get your hands on older movies or movies that were that were uh, published in such small numbers that it's very hard to get them and watch them before the podcast comes out. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to come up with a podcast that relies completely on streaming film services. So oh, Netflix cool. or Hulu. Everything that we, we do will come off of a streaming platform so that you can watch the movie before we make fun of it on the show. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, that's, that's, actually, that's actually where we came up with the name for the podcast. Uh, the podcast, uh, we should have it out um, next month, hopefully, and it's going to be called uh, What a Streaming Pile. What a ah. Hey, Ben, I just got a great idea for a new show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a Streaming Pile, man. That, that's funny. That's great. That's I love good. that title. Yeah, that's, that's terrific, man. Um, well, uh, one last thing I wanted to say, because uh, I know you guys are going to talk over under properly siege. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I think you you hit the very edge of it earlier in the show, and I believe you're 100% right. I My personal opinion is Tom Selleck is properly rated as an actor uh, across normal cinema. Most yeah. people know who he is, but you can't name three of his films. Fair. I think where he's underrated is as a Western actor where he's done 20, 25 movies. And I think you hit it exactly on the head. I think Tom Selleck was one giant role in the early 90s away from being the biggest action star we had in the 90s, and he missed it. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, made, for he, sure. he made a movie called Quigley Down Under instead yeah. of a movie called yeah. like Predator or, or something. Indiana like. Jones. Well, what really hurt him, and it's just a case of bad luck, is, uh, I mean, uh, I'm sure you guys have heard the Indiana Jones story that, that they actually shot test footage with him as Indiana Jones. Oh, I didn't know this. And then um, they uh, Harrison Ford ended up deciding he wanted to take the role, so they went his direction. <laughs> so Tom Selleck if, hates Harrison Ford is what you're trying to tell us. If Tom Selleck, if Tom Selleck <laughs> ends up in that role, he might have been the biggest guy in the 80s and 90s. I mean, For he sure. just everything about him screams huge action star, and he just never did it. Yeah. Yeah, who knows, man. Well, that's 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 interesting stuff. We'll totally we're getting that segment in just a second. So, we'll uh, we'll share our opinions on it as soon as we get there. But uh dude, thank you so much for being a general in the army. Thank you so much for calling in and for suggesting this movie that I'd never seen before. I can't wait to continue talking about uh Selick's mustache and other great things about this movie for the next 30 minutes. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate you watching it. Yeah, of course, of course dude. Thanks for the call and uh you know, keep up in the chat, tweet at us, whatnot. Thanks a lot. All hey, right, brother. see you, bud. And, uh, guys, Jason was saying that, uh, or for the fans out there that are in the chat and stuff, um, Jason, please post your, uh, your podcast in the Action Movie Anatomy fan yeah, page we'll for, for everyone to, uh, to go watch. So, guys, now's a great time to hop into Star Profiles. Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, we actually, do you want to cover Greatest Final Showdowns first? Because we were just talking about it as a fist pump moment. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Yeah, why don't we do that? Because I think, uh, we're going to talk about these two guys and kind of their, and their whole shtick. And I think it's probably a good place to start is their showdown. So uh, we both have, have prepared several of our favorite hero-villain showdowns. Yes. I racked my brain to see if I could think of a dance movie showdown just so I could have one. And I couldn't come up with one that really, like, stuck for me. Like, I don't know, you got served. or None of those really. The only thing I can think of is the dance-off between Mac and Charlie at the end of season three of It's Always Sunny. It's very good. It's very good. <laughs> um, but yeah, guys, this is greatest final showdowns between hero and villain. This is final showdown. So not not Batman versus Bane and Dark Knight Rises because Batman versus Bane's final showdown sucks. Bane's going to kill Batman. Catwoman comes in and shoots him and he dies. So yeah. these are greatest final showdowns between hero and villain. Oh, that's tough because my first one is not technically a final showdown. What is it? It's Neo and Agent Smith in the subway because the <sighs> final showdown's in the hallway. Well, I think what you could do is you could say that that is one long showdown. Also, his final showdown technically is against all three agents. Yeah. Versus his actual single one-on-one showdown with Agent Smith. But I still think the fight with him and Agent Smith counts as the greatest fight because he starts running away and it leads to him fighting him again and dying So and living. Spoiler alert. Yeah. That's (laughs) such a good scene, that fight in the subway. It's amazing. I love that that that. I know. That movie's so good, man. Yeah. When he does the thing and all yeah. the dust comes off him. I yeah. love that. Uh, so I'm going to go with Enter the Dragon, the oh. mirror scene at the end. Okay, great. It is. I remember watching that with my mom as a kid and like, as a kid it was just so scary and there's so much glass and like, yeah, right. you know, you didn't know at that time watching movies for me, I didn't know if the hero always won. Right. You know? What happens? He's kicking the mirrors or the bad guy's breaking the mirrors and he, and he doesn't know where Bruce Lee is. So I, it goes back and forth, but yeah. it's like it's 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 first that Bruce Lee. I mean, the guy knows everything. Bruce yeah. Lee has no idea, and he has to. Bruce Lee has to end up using the mirrors and breaking them and figuring it out to figure out where he actually right, is. Right, right, right. And they like shift and stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. just so awesome. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's so old school too. You yeah, know? totally. Yeah. yeah, it's been a long time since I watched that movie. Um, all right, my number two is going to be another Keanu showdown, and this is Bodie in Utah on the beach. At the end of Point Break. Is that where he leans back and shoots up in the air? Oh, no, 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 no. This is the final showdown on the beach um, where where, where Keanu's like, Just look at it, man. It's like, I've been in every city in Mexico. (laughs) And he's just looking at Johnny. Look at it. Yeah. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, man. It's because on both sides. I'm not going to paddle New Zealand. 
um, the whole yeah, just the showdown and the fighting. Yes. And there's like the the, the one sweet moment where like because Swayze's like kicking his ass, you know, and he brings yeah, and he does like the back fist, right? And then and then he's strangling Keanu, and he comes up and he's been handcuffed. He's like, uh, no, 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 yeah, he loses yeah. it. Okay, man. Okay. Yeah, that's that's and I he love that. Goes one. out, dies. And Keanu alert. looks at him with the key, and he goes. Via con Dios. And then he he goes on his way. Keanu's got to be the coolest dude ever. Ever. Yeah. I've heard just the greatest stories about him. Uh, All right. So my next one is going to be Guy Pierce and Jim Jim Caviezel at the end of the Count of Monte Cristo. He's the Guy Pierce energy of being like, I'm the best. I'm the. It's similar to actually Rickman in this movie a little bit. Yeah. He's got kind of a similar thing. I don't know if anyone does it better than Guy Pierce. Isn't that the one where he's like. He's like uh, he like fences with his subjects and he just kills them, right? Um, uh, he's he, well. What he does is he uh, he places he settles bets that way. That's where that's he straight yeah, kills yeah. people. Yeah, for like yeah. It's like, been a minute since I've seen that movie. I know. I keep saying we should do it on the show, and I know you're not opposed to it. We just you know there's so many. Uh, number two for you. Uh, no, I did number or, two. I mean, no, you're number one. Excuse uh, me. Uh, my I'd say I'll say my third one, and this is in no particular order. Um, I was gonna do. I was gonna do Jedi. I'm the, surprised the you're not throne room scene because everyone, everyone already has started saying my my number one. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah, it's <laughs> incredible. Uh, I was gonna say Jedi because I it's like my favorite moment in all of Star Wars is you know I want to be a Jedi like my father when he throws down the lightsaber. Yeah, um, but I think it's because it's like a trio of them and it's like he's kind of facing off against both at the same time. I'm gonna skip it, and it's gonna be the final showdown, not between Kurt Russell and Michael Bean, but. Between Michael Bean and Val Kilmer that, at the end of Tombstone. That was another one someone had mentioned in yeah. Greatest Western Shootouts ever. And, then he, and he's like, yeah. you'll know Daisy at all. And he holds his head because yeah. he gets him. That's pretty, pretty amazing. I love that moment. What's so interesting about shootouts is that, like, you don't want it to be close. No. You don't. You want the hero to decimate yeah. the other person. You want it to be so embarrassing for the other guy. Right. Which is so different in, like... And, for instance, my number one is Maximus versus Commodus. Yeah. Now, I wanted him to decimate and murder Commodus as well. Sure. But you want a fight. Right. You want a good fight. Whereas totally. in a classic showdown, you want no fight. It's just instant death, which is what's so great about the one in Quigley, which is why it's such a great one, is because not only does he do it so quickly, but he kills three people before even one of them can get a shot he off. He does it so quickly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Recent showdown that I loved was the the final Kylo Ren Luke fight on, yeah, yeah, yeah. on the sand in the Last Jedi. Well, I thought that was a great fight. You saw that the the throne room saber scene has just been released recently now. No, it's, it's online. It's just everywhere. Pokemon music playing to it. Oh, it's, I've it's, seen it's, that. Yeah, but yeah. like the actual scene itself is released, and it's it's such a sweet. Yeah, people that say that that movie wasn't good because there wasn't enough lightsaber fighting is crazy. Yeah, that movie's great. Um, uh, so those are our top three. There's more uh, honorable mentions that we had, but we are running short on time. Yeah, we got a lot to cover. So let's. Uh, Let's talk a little bit of Tom Selleck. A little Tom um, Selleck. So, yeah, Selleck's career at this point, you know, we mentioned this a couple times already, but he was a guy who had spent, you know, the 70s and the 80s as a TV actor, mostly. Uh, he had been a little bit in, in TV movies, and he didn't really, aside from Magnum P.I., have a, a, a calling card as an actor. Um, I mean, it's a huge calling card, obviously, and, and, you know, he was on the level in the 80s of, like, Don Johnson with Miami Vice or, like, these these guys that had shows, you know, Norm from Cheers, like, he had... He was a very much that guy. Mm-hmm. So when Three Men and a Baby comes out in 87, you know, that's a that's a big movie. That was like that movie made a lot of money. People loved it. Was it Steve Gutenberg and uh, Ted Danson of the other two guys? Yes. Yes. And, Steve Gutenberg. That name is so great. And so you end up with, you know, An Innocent Man, which is the movie I talked about the year before. And then Quigley makes this. And his next couple years after this, he doesn't really he just doesn't quite have that transition. So I think we've we've been we've covered Selleck pretty. Yeah, I don't think we actually need to do our over under proper on him at this point. Yeah, I feel like we I mean, Jason actually probably did it for us. Yeah, he summed it up pretty well. I think I think that Tom Selleck now by today's standards, unfortunately, I think is underrated because I think most yeah. people like most people are age. Although we don't watch Blue Bloods. So we don't know <laughs> if he's like even worth watching anymore. You yeah. Know I, mean? I just think his career, I think he's just kind of it's tough when it's it's really hard when you don't have that one thing. Like we, we we're gonna talk career defining role for a second, and it's like I, I think Richard on Friends almost, because it's gonna be the most rewatched thing he's ever done. Yeah. It's the role that'll come up the most. Most people are gonna rewatch Friends. Yeah, I mean I can't think of another role that stands out to me i mean in and out <laughs> maybe but and i don't even remember his name in that he's great as richard and friends i love him though. yeah um so likable 
And then on the other end of it, you've got Rickman, who was essentially a nobody. Um, he like just had his moment. This was this yeah, was and his, like, and his moment was Die Hard in 1988, which was two years prior to this. And then yeah. before that, he had literally only done TV movies and TV series. And actually, so he does only TV movies and series. Die Hard in '88, The January Mary, The January Man in 1989. He does this in 1990. But then throughout and afterwards, he still is just basically a TV actor for a minute. Rickman. It, yeah, it's really interesting. He's a nobody. And um, <clears throat> obviously, Crazy Cora would have been interesting to talk about as well. But her career is also interesting because although she is a bigger star than Rickman at the time, she doesn't really go on to do anything else. No, she's just – she was – I mean, when we say anything else, we mean like yeah. superstar level. Yeah, she she exactly. was a working actress and continues to be a working actress for years. Um, but yeah, yeah, Rickman, it's funny to see him – at this moment in his career, because it was just so clear, like how much people just wanted him to reprise that villainous energy from Die Hard. It's just so clear that's what they're going for. Yeah, it, but the, what I love about it is because in Die Hard, even it's like Gruber isn't the most evil man you've ever met. You know, like he doesn't have he's not like torturing people at the beginning of the movie. And it's the same thing with this. He's like it's a, it's kind of a subtle villain because you want to like him. He's as ruthless as he, he is cunning. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, those are the those are the two guys that are that are leading this movie, and there's also uh, what is her name, Laura San Giacomo. Giacomo, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know how I felt about her in this movie. I didn't dislike her, and I thought she did a good job. She's fine. Yeah, she, I didn't I didn't think she was super memorable, but I think she's Ebert or someone was like raving about her and was like bright star about to take off. Like this is her yeah. spark. Well, it's um, the same. This I think this is the same year as Pretty Woman. I'm pretty sure. This is 1990. Pretty Woman's 1990. Yeah, I think Pretty Woman was just released before this. Yeah, is all. Yeah. So I mean, she definitely was in her moment. This was pick me up. So she she says that line in Pretty Woman. She's like, oh, I just need a little pick me up. And yeah. I and I said that to my mom once, like joking. Yeah. She got so mad. What's the name of that movie? Kit or something? Yeah, Kit DeLuca. Yeah, yeah. I just looked it up. Nice. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. So going into production development, we've only got about 20 minutes left on the show. So one thing that I think is interesting is that. Um, the uh, the rifle used by Quigley was a custom 13.5-pound single-shot 1874 Sharps rifle with a 34-inch custom barrel. Um, and the, the rifle that was used during filming was a replica. Mr. Tom Selleck in 2002 donated that along with other weapons. He six other firearms used from his films to the NRA. Mr. Selleck, congratulations. To the NRA as part of the NRA's exhibit... Real guns of real R-E-E-L heroes. Yeah. He raised a, a total of $65,000 off of just that one gun. Um, that's all we're going to talk about with the NRA because fuck them. And uh, we'll move on to uh, <laughs> who wrote and produced this movie. Moving on. Directed it. <laughs> so John Hill, uh, the writer, um, he – yeah, I mean I guess basically – we probably don't need to go too heavily into that. I think it's probably more interesting to talk about Simon Winsor for a second. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the really, the quick thing about the writer is that he wrote Quigley Down Under in 1975. It was slated to be made in 1980. He originally was going to do it with Clint Eastwood and then Steve McQueen. They both, Steve McQueen got too sick and died. Clint Eastwood got too famous and didn't care. Um, that's John. I mean, that's that's basically it. Simon Winsor, uh, working director, he's done a ton of stuff, really rose to prominence in the 80s. Um, and his run was this. This was the run. He he did <laughs> this. This is his run. He did this. He did Thunderbolt and Light. Uh, not Thunderbolt. Uh, Harley Davidson, the Mar- Marlboro Man, a couple years later. And then he did Free Willy in 93, um, which is funny that the same director of this directed Free Willy. But uh, then finally, Operation Dumbo Drop and The Phantom. Remember The Phantom with Billy oh, Zane? Oh, I love The Phantom. Yeah. That movie's terrified when yeah, I was yeah. a kid. And then he, you know, did a bunch of other TV stuff, a lot of like the Young Adventures of Sherlock Holmes and stuff like that. So um, by no means uh, an American treasure, but he did some pretty memorable movies, and he does a fine job with this. I there's parts of this movie that I don't love, like some some parts of the direction that were just like a little bit, a little long. And like as much as I did enjoy the score, the score is very much of that '90s tradition of like you feel this way now, and you feel this way now, yeah. and you feel this way now because yeah. of the music. Totally, know? totally, yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> and also the, the the tone of the movie was it's like a little like jokey and silly, but then you have the Aboriginals just like dying. And getting like murdered, gnarly, dying. yeah. And yeah. That, so the tone, those two things didn't really match for me. Yeah, that's true. Totally, it is like peanut butter and salami. He's or something. like such a such like a Disney American Western hero, and that's like kind of difficult to watch because it feels like really really bad. <laughs> so, yeah. but yeah, I mean, aside from that, though, Simon Winsor does a great job with this. What I um, thought was another interesting thing about Simon Winsor is he uh, he won the Christopher Award, mm. which is an award that is given out. By, like, this Christian administration of 
people that watch movies. Yeah. But it's not based off of religious influence. It's basically based off movies that make you feel good, kind of, is, like, what it is. Like, Creed was one of the winners last year. Got it, got it. Um, he won one for uh, this movie, I believe. Oh, okay. Um, or or just in general. I can't remember. But he's from Australia, Australian film director. So yeah. that's uh, Simon Windsor and, honestly, the producers, Stanley O'Toole, Alexander Rose, and Megan Rose. Go read about them if you really care. There's not really a lot about them out there, which is what kind of what's interesting about this movie. So this movie was uh, released by MGM. Yep. It cost $18 million to, to make, and it was an October movie, released October 19th of 1990. And uh, it grossed $21 million domestically, and it wasn't released worldwide. So I think that does speak volumes on where these people were in their career. Because yeah. no one had heard of Tom Selleck, Alan Rickman, or um, <laughs> Kit DeLuca. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Worldwide, yeah, they was worldwide, yeah, yeah, and so this movie is probably regarded as kind, not a flop entirely, but not too far from one. I mean, if it cost eighteen million to make and gross twenty one, the I'm sure the promotional budget was at least a couple million dollars. Yeah, probably you lost know, money in the end. It, I, I believe it did. In opening weekend, it opened at number three. Uh, it was. $3.8 million behind Marked for Death. Fantastic. Which, which was at 28. So the fact that Seagal could open a movie at $28 million is, oh, yeah. is remarkable. Yeah, just <laughs> thinking of that now. Uh, and then, that's so crazy. Steven Seagal. He's like one of the biggest things in the whole world. Under Siege is like 90 maybe? 89? 91? Mm-hmm. Somewhere right in there. So it's right around here. We have a segment on our show named after it. Yeah. You know? Uh, and then it was behind Memphis Bell. Which was uh, which was four point two million dollars ahead of that. Which I've seen that movie. It's not a very good. You've one. watched Memphis Bell. I, I don't remember it at all. I've seen it once. Doesn't surprise me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so critically, this movie got a six point eight, which feels about right. Yeah. Uh, Rotten Tomato. All critics gave it a fifty six. Top critics didn't. They didn't spend their time on that. <laughs> and then the audience gave it a seventy three, which okay. feels pretty fitting for our shows. Yeah, uh, definitely a higher movies a higher audience show. score. Abso- absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I mean, like I said, I didn't know what Quigley Down Under was. This movie is is a lost, lost piece of history. I texted Roca because I know he loves westerns. Yeah, and I was wondering if this was kind of in his wheelhouse. What did he say? Like, Have like, you seen Quigley Down Under? He's like, he's like, I love Quigley Down Under. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, of course, that makes he me loves so Quigley happy. Down Quigley Down Under is actually just like cuffs for me. I always tell you about cuffs yeah, with yeah, Christian yeah, Slater, yeah, yeah. and yeah. it was like one that I didn't know, didn't yeah, mean yeah. to watch, and loved it. So. uh Oh, this is great. Moving on to favorite lines. <laughs> There's some good ones. There's a lot of good ones. Because if you could deliver lines with the tone of voice and mustache of Selleck, <laughs> half of what you said would just be, like, so cool. Well, yeah, because so I, I started writing down lines incessantly, and then I was like, oh, I, everything Selleck says is a gem. That's yeah. why. And so it's like... I got some... Yeah, I wrote a few really good ones down. I even just like when he says at the end, when he looks at, when he looks at Kit, and he's like... You look pretty in the morning, son? No, no. I just oh. like when he looks at her, and he's like... You're quite a woman, Cora. I'm yeah. just like it's just like it's just the way that he says it. I have the same line except for the lines just different words, which is you look you sure look pretty in the morning sun. Yeah. It's just like the delivery and the way he looks at her, you're like, Are you talking to me? Yeah, right. <laughs> Can you imagine like you go to the okay, so you, Andrew guy, you go to the coffee shop and this barista that you have a real big crush on, you think she's great, and you've you've been getting her your coffee for a while, and you just look at her and her name's Cindy, yeah. and you're like you look real pretty in that dress today, Cindy. She would probably call she the would, police on me. <laughs> but if you're Tom Selleck and you say it, she melts. It's like, let me touch your mustache. Uh, it's he's, it's because it's some combination of like incredibly reassuring and, and like, but also so confident and like menacing, but also like so friendly. Yeah. It's like you want him to be your dad, kind of. It's like you want, but you also want to sleep with him a little bit. <laughs> I wonder how much less effective he is without a mustache. I can't. Um, I bet he looks horrible. Yeah, it's like baby face. He probably has. He probably has nightmares about not having a mustache, showing up on set not having a mustache. (laughs) Yeah, instead of showing up somewhere naked, he'd rather show up naked with his mustache. He'd be fine. So, uh, some of my other favorite lines are: um, I love, I love when he looks at the guy and he's like, "You might want to try your luck with that belly gun. Then again, you might not." Yeah, just, and then he goes for it. Yep. Then again, he might not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just so cool. Yeah. Uh, the first line I wrote down was, excuse me, I'm next. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just because it's like, just the way he delivered it, I was like, God, this guy is a superhero. Just if you're in he the really grocery is. store again, yeah. I'm going to be going next. Uh, what was the other one? And in, then In our experience, Americans are uncouth misfits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's some really good ones. And then, I mean, my true favorite line is my, the same as my fist pump, just because of the way he says it. Yeah. The same Dodge City, you and Bill Hickok. It's like, I just, he's, I've never heard someone say F you so hard without ever having to say it. There's a, there's a similar, um, kind of interaction that happens in 
uh, Unforgiven, just a couple years later, where like basically Hackman was like at these places or or, or William Money uh, Eastwood was at these, and there's the, and there's the writer who's like so enamored with like the history of these like Western outlaw characters. Mm-hmm. He's like, wow, you were actually there, and it's like so funny when they when they make these outlaw characters just like, yeah, of course I was there. I'm like a real person. I like just lived my life and ended up there. You know, right, right. My yeah, yeah. my life is not some part of a history book. You know, people died, kind of a thing. And I love when I love when the outlaws kind of have that. That, that is their that attitude. Recognizing moment. Yeah. It's really interesting to think about Western characters versus just like general movie characters. There's such a unique brand of like of like of like masculinity, like American yeah. masculinity. And that's why Westerns were so big and and really why uh what what Jason said about uh his career as a Western actor is underrated. You know, if you think about there's like a difference in certain kinds of actors, right? So we talk about guys like, you know, Day-Lewis or these guys that are these sort of chameleons, uh, Meryl Streep, you know, people who are just like really, they just go the distance. Yeah. And then you talk about like somebody like John Wayne who, or even like Jimmy Stewart to some degree. Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. Where like they really just did one thing. Like John Wayne, he's not like the greatest actor. It's like, he's pretty, no, he's pretty robotic in his delivery, Mm -hmm. but like he, did it so well for so long that directors could find the right way to use those actors to really channel something, right. which is why John Wayne ends up winning that Oscar for True Grit eventually because he had done this thing for so long and, and people had been, just and noticed it, had, it. And it had been so effective for so long. Yeah, that it's like a life's work of like even if you are playing that same note over and over again, there's a real specific kind uh, of appeal that those actors have. Uh, it's funny, my recast, we're going to get into recast in a second, is yeah. – uh, not an actor like that, but there are actors out, you know, out there like that. Well, do you want to get into it right now? Yeah, I think that's probably a, a, a good thing for us to get into. Yeah, recast. because I, I did pull an AMA question from myself. <laughs> uh, because I was like sitting there reading everyone's questions and kind of putting together what I thought would be a good. And I was like, you know what? I want to ask my own damn question. Nice. Because to yourself, <laughs> to my to myself. So it's actually just asking you, hopefully, yeah. and maybe you and I can talk through it. Um. But this is kind of like resonating a, a few questions that were asked out there. And so what I said is, what is it about this film that kept it from being a success? It came out at the right time with the right stars. It is a Hollywood anomaly for me. It's called Quigley Down Under. Yeah. <laughs> that's, and, and like, that's you, the answer. Do you think that's it? Do you think it's the name? Do you think it's the fact that like Selleck's star wasn't bright enough yet? Maybe all their stars weren't actually bright enough yet to make this movie? Um, I think there's, I think there's a lot of reasons. I mean, I think that this, this was like a... It was kind of um, all of these elements that were sort of getting mashed together to to try to achieve something like putting Tom Selleck in the role as this kind of like kid friendly hero outlaw guy. Right. I don't know. Like it just there was no intellectual property that tied Tom Selleck to why you would want to watch a movie called Quigley Down Under. Like it just even watching the trailer like it was it's a bad trailer. Watching the trailer for this movie is like. It doesn't make me feel like if I'm like a self-respecting adult mature movie fan who's probably been watching Tom Selleck for a decade on TV, mm-hmm. I would pay to see this. This is like kind of marketed as a kids movie, but like right, but then there's, you know, it's like Aborigines being thrown off mountains. It's like a kids western, but it's in Australia. I don't know. There's just a lot of things about this movie that don't they don't really quite sell me. So I think after doing our analysis of yeah. the show, I mean of this movie over the show, it feels like it was it was mismarketed. Yeah, definitely with mismarketed. Title and with its advertising, um, especially in the trailer, its stars weren't bright enough yet. I, I don't think because even though Tom Selleck, it's like who who the hell are these other people? Yeah, essentially. And then also, you've got uh, what you just mentioned earlier, which is that totally this movie loses its grasp. It, it works, it, yeah, but it, it works much better not as the movie they marketed it. Exactly, it works much better in its more dramatic moments where there's real things happening and. And they marketed it as this like this fun outlaw. Like there's gonna be a quickly down under Disneyland ride. Like right. it's not a Disney movie, but it feels a lot like that. Yeah. Hey, well, Andrew Guy, thank you so much for your question. You you must be a good looking, <laughs> nice, smart guy. You probably could have figured that out on your own, asshole. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> God, I hate that guy. Uh, so show uh, recast. Yeah, let's get into recast. Um, I like the way you just did that. You answered your own question. I did. And then you talked to yourself. Yep. And then I insulted air. myself. That was funny. Yeah. It's very good. There's no one in the chat anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'd love that moment in Tropic Thunder when he's being interviewed by Tyra Banks. And she's like, somebody close to you said he's in his 40s. He has no kids. He, and he's like, somebody said they were close to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> that's a great setup. 
Um, so, all right, let's get into our recast. Uh, we're just going to do the three main roles. Elliot Kava, except it's Elliot Marston. Um, Cora uh, Kit from Pretty Woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, Matthew Quigley. Yeah. And I am going to hop in first with Quigley, because I think it's more interesting. The Rickman role is the most interesting yeah, one for sure. me. Yeah, sure. Okay. And it's so funny, because I don't really like this guy. Army Hammer. Really? Yeah. Army he, Hammer? He just feels like the all-American cowboy robot actor that could deliver those lines, look good doing them, and be gigantic and kick people's asses. Have a mustache? I didn't even <laughs> grow a sweet mustache. I mean, look, if Henry Cavill can grow... Maybe we should just do Henry, <laughs> Henry Cavill. Cavill. I, I can't see uh, liking Army Hammer enough. Like, he's... Army Hammer is one of those guys that when he's in a movie, he has to sell me on him being likable. Did you not like him in Man From U.N.C.L.E.? I didn't see it. Did you like him in Man From U.N.C.L.E., Marissa? And now, so because I, I saw it, I was pretty drunk. Uh, <laughs> I don't really remember it that well. Was he like, did he have that movie star charisma that we talked about? Was he charming? Were you like, how did you feel about him as like the leading man, sex symbol, all those things? I think Army Hammer does a great job. I, I think he is a person who's actually underrated because he is so handsome. People just see him uh, like, unfortunately, on the superficial level, like he's only good, and that's the only reason why he's there. It's like, no, he's actually a good actor. I think he's good playing mischievous, and you don't know if he's good or bad in whatever movie hmm. role that he's in. So it, he's a guy that you have to just like actively look out for whatever he does. I think he's a pretty solid actor. Like, I actually he's good and generally enjoy. I'll call him by your name. And Social Network. Yeah, I enjoy Army Hammer overall. Like, I think he's pretty talented. Um, my thing about him is that he. His thing that when you see him on screen that happens is you're always like, you're a fuck, and now I'm going to have to be convinced to like you. Like That's, that's so interesting because I don't quite hate his face that much. I don't hate him. It's more like he has like an arrogance, mm. just just being, just like the way that he carries himself. Even call him by your name, and he's really good in it. He's right. like, but even then, you still kind of smack him in the face because he's like just kind of arrogant. Like it's right. also his character, and so I think for this role, you have to be much more down to earth. He just have to be more likable, I think, right out the gate to be able to make this movie work. So who's your likable actor? It's none other than 24601. He's like 60. (laughs) Jackman? He's like 34. He's a soft 30. (laughs) He's in his his 50s, but he still gets away with it, man. Jackman's the best, and he's also Australian. He's just... You know, as you're if just Jackman arc- did this movie, he would ADR his own rifle sounds. I, <laughs> I don't know if Jackman could pull off the mustache. Is the only question. Oh, he couldn't, dude. I don't know. If, I don't think he could. I don't know if he'd be able to pull off the mustache. Literally everything else about it is perfect. I mean, you know how much I love Jackman. Yeah, I think uh, I went and saw uh, Greatest Showman by myself again the other day. Did you yeah. just to see it again? Just because I was like, I got my, I was doing something right around the corner. Movie pass. Yeah, it's free. right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so good. So good. Um, the one thing I was going to say, you know, actually, what just, and we're just all over the place now, but Jackman, um, he tweeted out something from the Oscars five years ago where he was like, this was five years ago today, and it's the behind, it's the, behind the scenes rehearsal of the song they were going to perform at the Oscars from Les Mis, and it's the whole cast. So it's, it's him and Hathaway and Amanda mm-hmm. Seyfried and Russell Crowe and Eddie Redmayne and literally all of them. There's like nine of them. It's the big end of the song, and they do it like a live rehearsal. Just like standing around, like man has got like a teacup or whatever. It's just awesome to watch. You're like just all these just stars, like talented people, just, just talented people, and... just loving what they're doing. In the end, like I hate Les Mis because I can't watch it. But I love <laughs> Les Mis so much. You love <laughs> Les Mis. I talked so to David uh, David Oweyolo about it last uh-huh. night at the at the Gringo premiere because yeah. he's now going to be doing a TV series version of it. Oh, is it six episodes on BBC? And I read he's he's Javert. He's um. I am Javert. Yeah. He's uh, Russell Crowe's role. He's really good in Black Panther. David? Yeah. Uh, no, no, he's not. Who are you, are you mixing him up with? Wait. David Oyelowo, the guy who played the, uh, Dr. King in Selma. Oh, I was thinking of him Get Out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Daniel Kaluuya. Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've heard that one before. People mix those two. Those names are so yeah. people. Um, but I asked him about it, and I was like, you're playing Javert. And uh, I had had a couple drinks, and I was like, "Are you?" I was like, "Did you have your own two, four, six, zero, one moment?" And he was like, "He's like, there's actually uh, no singing in this version." I was like, (laughs) 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 "But he was like, great to meet you, and I'm glad you're excited for it." uh, (laughs) Let me hold you drink. (laughs) So good. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So it's good stuff. It's good stuff. So anyway. For for Crazy Cora. Oh, that's amazing. There's actually no singing in this. (laughs) (laughs) And I love it. I know you sang it. Of course. Yeah, of course you did. 100%. Uh, For my Crazy Cora, I did Tandy Newton. 
Yeah. She's just so good at playing crazy, just batshit crazy. She is. We've seen it so many times. Uh, what movie is it where she plays like the crazy-ass drug mom with the gray hair? And I'm going to look that up real quick. Tanny Newton? Yeah. I can't think of one. I'm going to look it up. Uh, my my Tanny Newton is uh, none other than Lara Croft herself, Alicia Vikander. That's so funny. I wrote her down and then I just... I erase her because I use her for everything. Yeah, I don't... I mean, the one thing is, like, I would cast that role to be a little more serious, and she's a little comic relief in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I think it takes away from the movie. I think that's some of the that's some of the problem. So I think that Vikander would play it a little straighter, which would be fine. Yeah. We'd totally fine. That's true. That, that is true. Uh, I was thinking of uh, The Pursuit of Happiness. Ah, she's yes. The, the she's mom, the wife, right? strung out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just over life. Uh, so I went... For mine is classic Michael Fassbender. Fassbender. Elliot Mars and Michael Fassbender, it seems almost as good as Ray Fiennes as 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 I think that's Ray Fiennes is terrific. Yeah, that's, that's a, like about as good as it gets it's other than really, Rickman. Really good one. I went uh with Killian Murphy. Oh, that's also a great one. Because I like that he's kind of meek. Yeah. But he can be a real asshole. He's good at it. Mm-hmm. Um and I think I like because Rickman's kind of a little He's kind of a little princess in this movie. Well, he totally, I mean, he gets his ass kicked out of his house twice in a row and then just gives That's up. That's another fist bump moment. That's a great moment. Yeah, yeah. he gets his knocked out twice. He throws me out of my own house. And does it again. It's <laughs> terrific. Um, I love Killian Murphy. Yeah, He's fan. so good. Big fan. And he would be really good at because I can see him killing those two guys at the beginning. Yeah. I'm like, I was just born on the wrong planet or whatever. Right. Uh, continent, yeah. Planet. Uh, <laughs> oh, this will be interesting. Three categories? Yeah. Yeah, there's three action movie categories, guys. There's totally ridiculous, totally legitimate. And ridiculously legitimate. Totally legit are movies like Fugitive or, you know, Gladiator. They, they hold together. They don't really ever make you laugh. They're just, like, really good movies. Um, totally ridiculous. Those movies like, we always say, you know, Con Air and Face Off and Demolition Man. They're really silly movies. Um, Independence Day Resurgence. They, <laughs> if, if they're bad, they're horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Totally Legitimate or uh, Ridiculously Legitimate is the middle category. It's kind of a combination of the two. So Point Break and Predator. Yeah, The Rock. You get, you know, they make you laugh kind of here and there. They're over the top. They're ridiculous. You maybe aren't supposed to laugh at some of the moments you do, but they're grounded with some really strong principle. Like one thing holds them together. And this movie, do you do you know? I know. Go first. I I I think it's ridiculously legitimate. You think it's the middle? Category. I think it's the middle category. I think that there's enough with the Aborigines and uh, Selleck is is Selleck and Rickman and and. Uh, why can't I remember her name? It's going to drive me crazy. Crazy Cora. All of them are <clears throat> fantastic, I think, and they play their parts well, and I I don't... I mean, like, yeah, there's parts that are definitely silly, and you kind of got to let it go. Uh, Laura San Giacomo. Laura San Giacomo. Just keep saying um, But I'm never, like, completely out of the movie, or else I probably wouldn't have sat down and watched it from beginning to end the first time. But I'm never also like, oh, my God, this is a... I wouldn't be like, this is one of the great Westerns. I got to call it the middle category as well, because he's he's compelling enough as a hero. And, and yeah, the intensity of those darker moments. And also that, like, there's some, like, comic relief to Cora's character, but also the fact that the reason she is the way she is, and she keeps calling him Roy and all that, and you find out why. I did laugh out loud at that scene when he's about to get shot or or when he's about to shoot the bucket. And she's like, I've never seen him before. Yeah. It's like after calling him Roy for so long, I, I would kind of chuckle. It was good delivery. Yeah, yeah, she's good. <clears throat> so yeah, that would be uh that would be mine. I'd go middle category as well. I All think right. it's I think it's grounded enough, but it's definitely silly. Yeah, it's definitely silly. And the but... tone throws it off, so I think the tone of the movie ends up making it kind of that category. It is very tonally imbalanced. Yeah. yeah. So All right, guys, that's gonna pretty much wrap it up. We've just got one last thing left on the show, and that's called The Pitch. All right. Did we do that last week with Rob? Uh, we might have. I can't remember. I think I was did. scared of scaring him. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> um, that was a great episode. That was, that was a lot of fun. Great episode. Yeah. Um, so for the pitch, we had we, it's getting a little screwy with some of these choices we're making. We had a couple movies we thought we were going to do. We, we looked like maybe Annihilation. It looked like Red Sparrow. I don't know that we're going to do either of those movies now. We did a mini on Annihilation, so I think that's covered. Yeah, Annihilation we 100% won't be doing. Check out our uh, our Patreon video of that. We did a, a nice like 20 minute AMA. Uh, Red Sparrow is up there, but it's tough. I know you saw it. It's just um, okay. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's definitely some movies. We might just, we might pick a movie, like a really good, like a classic one we've wanted to do for a long time. Uh, yeah. And throw that one at you guys. What I would do if I were you is I'd go to the Facebook fan page. Uh, and I think we'll do a poll week. I think Ooh, that that's. It's been a while. It's been a while since we've done one. So we'll. Been know, a while and, since I could. Wait, I'm going to just keep delivering the poll. 
<laughs> at AMA Podcast on Twitter. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media. <laughs> Hey guys, you can find me at Andrew Guy on Instagram and Twitter. You can find our Facebook page at Action Movie Anatomy fan page, and there's also our Schmodown page, which is supporting our Schmodown characters. are coming back very, yeah, very I've soon. Yeah, I've got a singles match that, that uh, you guys are going to see next Friday against Dale the Dude, Dale yeah. Gibbs, Dale Dude Gibbs, Dale Dude Gibbs, and that's exciting. So that's I'm looking forward to you guys. Uh, you know, getting getting back on board with the Schmodown because yeah. we're going to start seeing team action back in the ring. Yeah, it's March, so uh, I'm officially unbanned. Are finally. you? It's, it's March. March is when my ban is released. Now, I don't know which day, I don't know when, if it's the beginning of the March, end of the March. <laughs> but I'll be lurking outside of Collider. So. I've set up <laughs> camp. I have. Uh, yeah, so that's it for me. I think that pretty much does it. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. Marissa, thank you as always up in the booth. We'll see you guys same time, same place next week. Bye. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only, and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals. <laughs>